You want to put it all up, Mr. Backerman? Huh? Come on. Last set. Shoot it all. Race to nine for 80,000. I'm betting this big time action brings out the dog in your boy over there. Did, did, I, did, I, did I just stutter or something? Did I just stutter? A few minutes ago, it was like a pool hall in this motherfucker. Now it's as quiet as a church. Is this your first time in a pool hall, Mr. Beckerman? Is that it? Your clothes getting a little mashed? Let me tell you something. When you walk out of here, you'll have the smell of this place on your skin for a week. Every time you put on that suit, you will think of me taking your money. How the fuck does that make you feel? To be in that position with all your money on the table. How much you got, Joe? What? Total. You put down 80000 like it didn't matter. That's a lot of money for somebody like you and him. I think it matters. What's the difference? I'm a millionaire. That's the difference. I lose 80, I get another 80. For me, it doesn't matter. See, I think it's you who's sweating this. The body is. People in pool rooms don't come across this kind of take but once in a lifetime. And now you're going to put it all on the line against John because you think he's going to choke? I don't think so. I think he's gonna choke. You wanna shoot it all? Let's shoot it all. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready? We're all ready over here. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Groove Don. I am Tony C. As always, joined live in the studio by Gramps Master Flash. Newly minted, the master of many things. That's why he's not just George, he's Los Georges. Thank you, thank you very much. Hey. Except no substitutes. Void uh, where prohibited. Dare it, after trademark. <laughs> Hope everybody had a good week out there. Hope you're having a great day. Of course, every Groovaton centers around an attitude of gratitude. I get to live the dream. Mutual mahalo to everybody tuning in here and around the world, y'all. Holy mackerel, do we have a show today? Seriously, so big, it cannot be contained. It cannot be contained. Two hours, not enough. I was informed that two hours is not enough, Groove, to fill your tank for, for two weeks. So you know what we got? Yeah. Over Groove. Damn, Skippy. More Groove is good Groove, baby. More Groove is good Groove. And I have got it all today. Yeah, baby. Old school, new school, industrial, acoustic, jazz, garage, disco, funk, psychedelic, regular rock, you know, rock and roll, and some shredders. That's right. Stuck a little something in there for the skater boy over here. A little heat wave. We're going to get our mirrored ball swirl on at the end of the show. Because it's got Studio 54 written all over it. Plus, I got comedy from Dennis Wolfberg. Ted Cruz rips me off. I'm going to tell you why everybody who's got anything to say about Gitmo is disingenuous at best. Yeah, except and, me. We'll see. Cause okay. Like he's disingenuous at best and self-serving bullshit at worst. And I have got an editorial today. Yeah, I got one. I I actually wrote. As opposed to just winging it, I actually wrote stuff down. I'm taking a Utah state senator and all of his state's rights buddies, and I'm going to smack them around. And I'm smacking them down hard. I'm smacking them around enough for me, for you, for them. I am smacking them down. Okay, that's all. all Got to be smacked down because this guy's a jackwad of the highest order. Okay? I saw this guy in an interview. Couldn't stand it. Kicking off the show, of course. Pool all junkies. Get your uh, Chris Walker, Chaz, Palm, and Terry swirl on right there. A Not a very good movie, but that scene, fantastic, man. 
at the end of it where they're betting. In the background right now, DJ Format, King Arrow, Lords of Cardboard. Yeah, not a song that's generally on a lot of playlists, but it's the Groove of Time. That's what we specialize in. Just past 2 o'clock and the only Hollywood that matters anymore. That's right, Hollywood, Florida, just past 9 o'clock in the morning on the Big Island. Just past 7 o'clock at night in Western Europe, getting their swirl on over there in Portugal and England. How you doing, guys? Don't speak Portuguese, so I don't know what to say. Abrigado? Il chiamo. Il chiamo. There you go. That's it. How you doing? That's mm. it. You just say hello. <laughs> you about ready to kick this off? I- I'm ready. All right. We've got everything for you. Saddle up and stick around. Kicking off with Megadeth on the Groovathon on SoFoRadio.com. <laughs> Stop! 
as we enter. Come the way they get one of the biggest adventure. Must be the picture that you ever thought you could touch our credentials. What's the addition? You be jam rock the lyrical official. Send out the order, laws and the rituals. Burn candles, say prayers, paint mirrors. It is truth, we big news, we hood heroes. For us to anchor, we come to bunker. One a bad man, we not play Willy Wonka. And I got the guns, I got the ganja. And we can place it up on your block if you wanna. Or haze it upstairs, spots in the hummer. Or you can run up and get done up. Or get something that you want none of. Unlimited amount to collect from us, direct from us, street intellectuals. And I'm shrewd about decimals, and my man to speak patois, and I can speak rap star, y'all feel me, even if it's in Swahili, a body Ghani. Missouri Sana, switch up the language, I move for Ghana. Salute and honor, real revolution rhymers. Written piranhas, like two Obamas, unfold the drum. Word is out, hysteria you heard about, now it's engine and gun, can it turn it out? Body good verses till I scream murder out, the kings is back, time will return the crown. Who won it? Tuck your chain with dude coming, renegades that appeal your back like new hunters. Let your shoes on it, you don't wanna lose on it, either move on or move on it. Contract with you, son, govern the kingdom Rise up the wisdom I can see the fear up in your eyes Realize you could die any instant Knocking at the sound of your voice When you must lose your life Like mice in the kitchen Snitching I can see him pissing on himself And he wetting up his thighs And he trying to resist it Switching I can spell him digging up shit Like a fly come around And keep persisting That's how you end up in a hit list In a bad man business No evidence Rhymes in fingerprintless Slow effortless Casual like the weekend No pressure when comfy and decent Set this off beasting Hunting season And frankly speaking Word is out, hysteria you heard about Now it's engine and gun, can it turn it out? Body the verses till I scream murder out The kings is back, time to return the crown Who won it? Tuck your chain with dude coming Renegades and appeal your back like new hunters Bet your jewels on it, you don't wanna lose on it Either move on or move on it Word is out, hysteria you heard about Now it's engine and gun, can it turn it out? Body the verses till I scream murder out The kings is back, time to return the crown Who won it? Tuck your chain with dude coming Renegades and appeal your back like new hunters Bet your jewels on it, you don't wanna lose on it ago tomorrow, my wife gave birth to twins. Twin boys, twin boys named Matthew and David, biblical names. We are raising them a Jewish. I, I am Jewish. My parents uh, are Jewish. Uh, my wife is only half Jewish and half Catholic, and my parents are half pissed. <laughs> you might imagine uh, but in conjunction with their being raised Jewish, uh, perhaps the first momentous moment of their lives was when we decided to throw them a double bris. <laughs> a double bris, which is somewhat like having an execution preceded by a lynching imperative. <laughs> now, some of you might not really know what a bris is. A bris is a party. First and foremost, it is a party 
Then we throw for the eight-day-old Jewish boy, at the end of which we surprise him <laughs> with circumcision. And this is his first party. This is his introduction into the social swirl, which I think largely explains why Jewish men have not been your traditional party animals, ladies and gentlemen. I, ritual, and I'm sure some of you might be asking, how did this become a ritual? Circumcision at a party. I mean, if you need a goiter surgically removed, uh, you don't invite nine of your closest friends, I don't think. But... Well, we were given the history of the circumcision at our breast when Moyle Wap Nine, which was his name, the Moyle, the micro, his name is Wap Nine, uh, which is a great name for a Moyle, not Whack one, whack two, whack nine, like he's looking for a baseball team. He gave us the history, and incredibly enough, the first circumcision took place when Abraham, who was the first Jew, a Jew numero uno, the James Brown of Judah, Abraham, one day at the age of 97, circumcised himself. Now, we are not certain that he did this deliberately. We suspect he might have been cutting a bagel at the time, but, uh, well, be that as it may, I mean, I myself wonder why. Have you ever seen a 97-year-old weenie? Leave it alone! Leave it alone! If there's anything it doesn't need, it's cosmetic reconstruction. It's 97. But according to the story, when word got out in the town that Abraham had done this to himself, all of the members, the male members of that town, lined up at Abraham's door and requested that he do the same for them. These were people in severe need of recreational activity, I suspect. <laughs> Color me skeptical, but if I heard that a 97-year-old member of my community had taken a sharp implement and decided to divest himself of his foreskin, I would strongly suspect Alzheimer's, ladies and gentlemen. But that is, that is the history, and this has now evolved into a modern practice, the bris, which begins when we give the eight-day-old boy some wine. Yes, wine, and he works up a little buzz. Uh, and that is the least we could do for him when you consider what we have waiting for him. He'd be better off with Demerol, but... Uh, 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 and we're talking Jewish wine, which has the sugar content of cane, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, two sips and we have diabetic seizure. Uh, the only wine that has an insulin chaser then put out by Kellogg's, besides. But uh, Then, after the wine, uh, we disrobe him, so he's not only drunk, but naked, too. And at this point, we take the naked baby and we pass him around the party so that everyone can examine like before and after. <laughs> we passed around my twins. People have no idea what to say when they're examining this eight-day-old thing. And they say things like, oh, just like his old man. <laughs> I don't think so. On my worst day, I could bury these little kids under the table. <laughs> and at this point, we are ready for the circumcision. The Moyle comes in. He has spent the earlier part of the party practicing in the kitchen on mushrooms, if you're familiar with it. And when he is ready, he comes and he circumcises. It was incredible. The women at my party, the Jewish women, they had no idea what had gone 
They didn't fully... They said things like, oh, very nice, very nice, all done, let's eat cheesecake, and they're off to the buffet. The men are going... <laughs> while the kids are wailing at about 300,000 decibels. Talk about, it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. So, thank you very much. I had much fun.
Time and time again, that's from their very first LP. Uh, their first album came out uh, 86-ish. I had seen them a whole bunch of times. They were like regulars to pep. So that's great. That uh, Blood and Rose is also on that CD. Fabulous. So before that, fantastic band. Love these guys. Shaolin Temple Defenders are from France. That's a manimal uh, from a uh, CD I listen to a lot of. Chapter 1, Enter the Temple. That came out about 10 years ago. That's... Uh, 2006. Before that, funny, a man that, that uh, Dennis Wolfberg is just, this guy doesn't have bad stuff. If you go and look up Dennis Wolfberg on YouTube, every single thing that's on there is just milk through coming at your nose funny. The Brit thing is just hilarious, man. You know, I love the fact that Abraham is the James Brown of Judah. So I was Dennis Wolfberg talking about the Brits. Before that, Nas and Damian Marley as we enter... Uh, that's a CD that came out uh, right after I got to Hawaii. It was like the first first CD I bought when I was out there. It's called uh, Distant Relatives and Kicking It Off. Smack It Down Hard, baby. Megadeth from Euthanasia doing one of my favorite songs by those guys, Train of Consequences. You want to see a great version of that? They did, uh, I remember they were on Letterman. And he had like this entire Letterman. It was like Megadeth night. And they did a version of that song with uh, the entire uh, Letterman band as well. And uh, Paul Schaefer. On harmonica, it came out great. So we had a uh, two weeks off. Things that happened during that. Do you have a nice, you know, how's your, how's your yeah? I, I just I, Max, I you, you did a lot of skating. That's all I do. My daughter had a birthday. Uh, we had a skating party. I mean, it's just we live at the rink. Five days a week, we were there last week. Jesus, so, yeah, yeah, my legs are just awesome. 
if the rest of me looked like my legs, I'd be smashing. But <laughs> you know, from the waist up, no it all goes now. to hell. You know, body uh, fat. No, it's, it's going down. I got, I got some more to go. You got, I'm you at got, an all-time low. But you're at an all-time low. Body fat-wise, you can barely see my man breasts. <laughs> no, it's just they're subtle now, not deep. You don't need the bro. They're not the you don't hangers. Need the bro? They're not, not the hangers like they were a month ago. They were just swinging around. Was the man's ear? The man's ear to bro. So, a few things that happened this week. Well, first things first, Ted Cruz ripped me off. Ripped me off. Straight up ripped me oh, off. That's surprising. Yeah. Straight up ripped me off. And he got it wrong. Okay? He's talking about how Donald Trump is a P.T. Barnum. No. He is P.T. Barnum combined with Chance the Gardener. That's the whole point there. He's not just a showman. He's a completely full of shit, unknowing showman. Does he, I love the fact he's like, I don't know who David Duke is. Really? You know what? I'm going to tell you something. He'll, I figure- rip, he'll rip the Pope. Right. right. He'll he'll rip women, he'll rip Mexicans, he'll rip Fox News at the drop of a hat, but he's got to do some research about the Klan. And the best thing is, is of course, there's, there's uh, plenty of stuff out there that has him talking about David Duke. He mentioned something a few years ago. So one of two things is possible. Either he's a liar and shouldn't be president, or he oh. doesn't know who David Duke is and he shouldn't be president. <laughs> right. There you go. Or he's a you know he's a bag of nuts or oh, he's, uh, he's not please. not saying anything or he's a demagogue uh, you know we can just go he's on and go on. on and on and on and on but you know what God bless because this is just welcome you know Bernie or Hillary is going to be the next president we are living every satire of the future movie book or comic book that I ever read <laughs> anything that I read in my childhood that made fun of the future. You know, dystopic comedy. He's Berlusconi we're, without the fun. We're, we're, we're living it right now. He's it, literally... Idiocracy, that movie. There's a there's a book uh, called The Marching Morons that I read when I was in high school about, you know, in the future, the stupid people are going to outbreed everybody to the point where... They're going to run the shit. Uh, they're going to run... Well, right. And uh, intellectuals and uh, brainy people that know how to do things will be a, a servitor class. Oh, they'll yeah. Be, they're they'll shunned. be the slave race. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah it's literally, he's Berlusconi without the fun. That's all he is. Berlusconi without the fun. Where's kind you know, of fun. If we're going to have a guy like Trump in there, you better come up with something better than a bunga bunga party. That's my feeling, all right? I want bunga bunga. I want it on cable. Well, I want it available on the internet. I want it all out there. He was giving helicopter rides. God bless know, him. The other day. Yeah, little kitties. I could go like that. That's go better than getting a look. With just that's the kids? why he's in the lead, okay? Hey, you know, I want a helicopter ride. Okay, yeah. Well, had Bush not given out these little freaking turtles, took people on helicopter rides, he'd be winning. Right. But he gave out turtles, and uh, I guess we're not a nation of turtle fans. We are down here. We love turtles down here. We love turtles down here. We don't kill them like they do in other places. In Hawaii, man, they're all. You can actually go down to the beach, and they're right there. They have like little. There's a few places, Hohokana, which is a beach we used to go to. It's the only white sand beach. There were two, actually two of them. There were two white sand beaches on a big island. That one, and uh, there was. Why? Why? Why are you bringing segregation back into it? I'm not the one with the with the, the, the cookies over there. The Blanco you, you, you were giving me, uh, you know, the you were Blanco asking me, you're Negro. Gonna, you're going to go downstairs and uh, get yourself another Negro today? <laughs> and I was like, ne- yes. and I, I just, you know, and I and I said, I, I might, I might, yeah, I might. And two Negroes and only one Blanco. They're delicious. Well, I I. I wanted to share, and I didn't know if you, <laughs> which one you wanted. I, I didn't try want to, to have a full meal. Presumptuous, if you don't want a Negro, I have a Blanco for well, you. Well, that's dessert. It's the treat. Sure, but I, 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 I made my choice, and it's a Negro. Now I'm going to take these homes, and it's going to be the uh, the conversation starter. I'm going to leave these right there on the coffee table. 
And uh, for the next people week. Gonna, people are going to come in and go, God damn it, what the hell is wrong with you? They'll say, what the hell is this? And I said, uh, you know. So what else is going on? Oil is now so cheap that pirates aren't stealing it anymore. <laughs> they used to fight it. They used to. Yeah. There, there's a, uh, I read the stats on this, and there were a number. There was like a certain amount of attempted hijackings, and a certain amount of them were successful. Okay? But oil is so cheap, they're not doing it anymore. I'm going to tell you something. Cheap oil. You, you know who's you know who that's taking money out of the pockets of? Take a guess. Anybody? Anybody at all? The uh, Arabs, the terrorists, uh, terrorists. terrorists. Yeah. That's right. On the subject of which, how about, uh, how about this? I don't care who they are. If yeah. you're in the oil business, right, and your income dries up, good. Fuck you, die. Yeah, How's that's that? it. Alias, nice alias, uh, Texans. What? Yeah, really. Canadian coal I love oil. Or, are like, you know, what about all these people that were up in North Dakota working? Get another job, dickhead. Yeah. Have a nice day. I don't need what you produce at that price. You sound like the horse-drawn carriage uh, <laughs> concession owner. <laughs> the horseless carriage is putting me out of business. You get, find something else to do. So there was another thing I noticed this week. Um, there is uh, a, the, uh, the White House announced that they are going to be cutting some of the funding for Homeland Security. And, of course, right off the bat, who goes ballistic? Schumer, de Blasio, and yeah. uh, Bratton. Okay, screaming and yelling and pissing. I'm not liking that Schumer. Okay, they are screaming. Yeah, I know. I'm starting to kind of, you know. That's two. That's two, Schumer. That's two. That really is. It's two now. Uh That's two. I'm still on his side, but I can't, you know, I'm not standing shoulder to shoulder with him. That's for sure. I'm going to stay on his side of the defense, but I won't be standing there taking a bullet for him or nothing. And I'll tell you, this is, okay, Homeland Security is the new drug war. It's the new way for everybody to suck money. When I heard that, the Department of Homeland Security, we have ways to keep you safe? Are you kidding me? Yeah, in addition to which, do you really think that when you lower the amount of money that we give to Homeland Security, that changes the terrorist action? Like, oh, hey, guess what? New York's only getting $350 million now. You know what? I'll tell you what. Now is the time. Now is the time. That's, you know, what kind of bullshit is that? You're wasting our money. Not to mention, uh, I got something about Gitmo, you know, it's 160 million, 100, it's like 150 million to run Camp 7. Okay, people are like, hey, we could save all this money. Hey, you know what? The F 35 jet project is $160 billion over budget. $100 billion with a B, son. That's 10 times what it costs, okay, on a year, yearly base to run this other thing. So I don't want to hear about it. This is just another, it's literally, it's just another gravy train for municipalities. Okay, sure, and yeah. don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm a New Yorker, and we need security. We actually, New York, needs more than anybody else. We're the prime target. They're not, you know, we are the prime target. New York, D.C., okay, prime target. So we do, you know, it's important. It is important. But how much you want? More every year? We every have, year we want more. We have military. More, we have Coast more, Guard. We more. have police. We have FBI. We have CIA. We have NSA. We don't need the Department of Homeland Security and their boats. The Securitad. Security. And their boats and their sashes. We don't need yet another. And what? What? And hey, small, uh, small government Republicans. Hey, you, you small government uh, advocates. You, you uh, financial conservatives. You fiscal conservatives. Yeah. You, you small budget You're government not program cutting. Bullshit. Where are you? Yeah. When it comes to this, yet another layer of bureaucracy above us. Yet another agency justifying its own existence. There it is. Z- and sucking money. 
uh, from that, the taxpayer in order to pay for upon it. us being scared of the terrorist. Talking, I'm yeah. going to be talking extensively about the mm. difference between threat, real threats, mm. okay, and proceed, yeah, and the, the false threats. I'm going to be bringing that up in a little while because that's really at the heart of this uh, states' rights thing. At the end of the day, that's what it is, and I'm going to explain it to you in nauseating detail. But I'll tell you what. We've got a long show today, and do you know why? Because we've got more groove. I've got just as much yak and more groove. All I right. figured that's a good thing. I um, also managed this week, some of the other things. What else did I do this week? I went to a show on Friday night. Uh, myself and my gal die went down to uh, the Magic City Casino, which I had never been to before. That's the casino for Cubans. Yeah, I have no interest. I, don't, I mean, I, you know, I that still, is the that's still on the, the billboards. Did the whole place Spanish? Well, you you did say Miami, right? I did say Miami. Well, you know, did you not receive the memo? It was a few years back. I'm sorry, I may not have been <laughs> here when they posted that. And I, I, I specifically, uh, possibly, but it did go out in English. <laughs> <laughs> the memo that said that right, uh, have to go out in Spanish. That, they, they were changing the official language of Dade County. There's the border. Uh, this is more expensive you know, down there too. I, they, they must have a higher tax in Dade County than they do in Broward, because I got down there, it was like 30 cents more yes, a Yes, let me list off the reasons why uh, you might want to live in Dade County. I'm done. There I'm you go. go. Yeah. That's it. That's, that literally is, they got some great beaches, but then again. Yeah, wonderful. By the way, we love all our listeners in Dade County. It's great. Right, uh, yeah. Yo, Dade want, County people. Yeah. Far out. Holler, great. Wouldn't want to be you. Holla. Holla, y'all. <laughs> it's the wigger capital of that, the world. That, all, that goes for my family, all of them. You know, <laughs> they're all down there. Coral Gables. And... So we've got more groove for you. I went to this show. It was uh, Jefferson Airplane or uh, Quicksilver Messenger Service. I'm wearing my Quicksilver shirt there. Die picked me up one of these puppies. And uh, who else? and Jazz is Dead. And Jazz is Dead was really the reason I was there. Um, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about that later because the guy who put that band together is a guy named Jeff Pivar. And as I stated uh, when I was promoting the show, I said, you don't know Jeff Pivar? Actually, you do. You do know him. You just don't know that you know him. Trust me. The guy was on tour with Ray Charles for years. Okay? He did all his orchestra stuff. He is This is the guy. If you're a Dead fan, you know Jeff Pivar. Bobby in the Midnights, he's one of these guys that fills in for the dead whenever they need somebody, bass, guitar, he's toured with both of them, you looking him up? No, 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 I'm looking at something else. Oh, okay, so you're just not paying attention, that's cool. That's absolutely right. <laughs> no, it was, this, this, Don't worry this about it. has to do with something, I wanted to look something up for something later. But for this, later on. Yeah. We're going to keep the groove going though, this is one of those bands, I've spoken about them before, I've played them before, they were like big for a little while, you know, not even really that big, they, they got big enough. And then they faded out, and I finally figured out why. Because I listened to their first two albums, and then I listened to some of the other stuff that they had done after that, and the stuff they did after that wasn't as good as the first two. That's why. But their first album, Navid, kicks ass. This is Our Lady Peace on The Groove of Don on SoFloRadio.com.
Maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes 
Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats?
yelling, baby. That is far out. Jefferson Airplane feels so good from Bark. That's 1971. I'll tell you, you know, I considered playing one of the, you know, standards by these guys. But I'll tell you, the thing I like about that song is it's really kind of the first taste, in my opinion, that you're getting of what was to come next for uh, Yorma and Jack, which was Hot Tuna. That's got a Hot Tuna-ish. That's really, Bark is the first album where you heard where they were going to go. And so there's kind of a, a hint of um, I don't know, America's Choice, you know, which is my favorite Hot Tuna album. Okay, on that. That feels so good. That was actually covered by Bowie. Bowie did a cover of that uh, a couple of years later uh, on his album, uh, Pin Ups. Okay. That, 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 get that one back in the old head. For that, get your industrial swirl on, baby. Pig face. <laughs> okay. Blow you away. What is it? GTFAFM. Get the fuck away from me! Got it. All right. A ballad in the Tony Bennett tradition. Yes. Absolutely. I believe that was actually a... For the kiddies. That's a cover of a Paul Anka song. It was Get the Hell Away From Me the way he did it, though. But, you know, Big Face, I like their reinterpretation of the classic. Sure. Sure. The the classic. It it moved them. I actually saw Big Face, an interesting band. They're kind of an outgrowth of um, a bunch of bands from Chicago. They were all on the Invisible label. And that's how I found out about them. Um... Really, the guys from Ministry. Um, I remember when Ministry, the first time I heard Ministry, they had a 12-inch that came out. On one side was all day. The other side was every day. That came out in like 84, 85, somewhere in there. It's actually not, not bad stuff. Big Face got some interesting stuff. That is from uh, Notes from the Underground. The album that came out after that, which is the tour that I saw them on, was called A New High in Low. And they use a lot of people um, They're you know from Chicago, from bands like uh, My Life with Tokyo Cult, Smashing Pumpkins, Chainsaw Kittens, bands like that. And they literally, the lineup of Pig Face has over 100 people in it. At some point or another, it's, I don't know, at least 50. Okay? There have been 50 different people in that band. And they just keep bringing them in. They, they just keep rotating them and rotating them. And when I went and saw the show, it's a place called Tramps in New York. And they it's like, it's not a very big place. It's in the 20s off 6th. And... They have a little VIP section. I went with the gal that was the representative for Invisible Records. I was doing some writing for a magazine called New Review. And when I got there, they have a VIP section. There's nobody in it. Nobody in the VIP section for this Pig Face show, except for me and her. We sit down. They've got, like, these four bench, like, park bench tables or something. The waitress comes over. We give her our drink orders. And when she comes back, I reach in to pay for it. And she goes, it's okay, the uh, gentleman behind you already took care of it. Turn around, boom, Trent Reznor, who was one of the guys that was in the very first version of Pig Face. He was, he was along with him. But at this point, he was d- doing the Nine Inch Nails thing. So we went over, sat with him, chatted with him, thanked him. And then he stuffed us in a car and took us down to a club called The Bank, which uh, used to be on Houston. Okay? So that's my I Met Trent Reznor story. There you go. With All right. Pig face. Thank you, you like very that? much. You're welcome. For that Bob Hope. You mean Democrats are like zombies? That is from a movie called The Ghost Breakers. That he was in one of those 1940s things right. that he was doing in between yeah. his uh, USO tours. And, and that's in the, in the 40s when the Democrats were different. Yeah, they were <laughs> a little, little bit. Yeah, they were little things bit, were the other way around. They were a little yeah. bit different back yeah. then. Uh, let me see. What was before that killer song? I love this. It's Zero DB and Pace Rock. Um, Zero DB is really the guy. Uh, heavyweight Gringos is the name of the album. That's called Know, uh, know What I'm Saying. 
I like that song. I, I heard that maybe a couple months ago. Kind of stashed it away in a folder. Stashed it away in a folder. That's right. All right. Stuck that in. Kicking off the set, Our Lady Peace. Dirty Waltz from Navid. A fantastic record. Okay, here we go. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Bill Maher was doing his annual I Think Pot Should Be Legalized thing on his show. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said was uh, that... States' rights is basically code for taking away rights. And I agree. Except when it comes to pot. Right. right. (laughs) Okay, but basically, I agree. Now, last week, about a week or two ago, within the last week or two, a Utah state senator, okay, brought to the Utah, brought to the floor of the Utah Senate a call, a bill that they want to pass and then send to Washington calling for a repeal of the 17th Amendment. And it passed 20 to 6 in the Utah State Senate. Now, a quick civics recap here is necessary. Okay, it was for me. Okay. I know what it is. I mean, I know what the 17th Amendment is. It's about voting on senators and that kind of But I, I had to do some, some history on this. And I got to say, Wikipedia does a fantastic job on this one. Because I went to two other sources. They basically said the same thing, but without as much detail. Okay. So you can, you know, this is a Wikipedia page that absolutely gets it right on the 17th Amendment. And here's the thing. The 17th Amendment basically, when the Constitution was written in 1787, when it was originally uh, ratified by the states, um, or 1789, but it was written in 1787, when they originally wrote it, what they had were the state senates voted and chose their senators to go to Washington, okay? And there were a number of problems with this over the years. Um, One, of course, was corruption, um, where people were literally purchasing United States Senate seats. They would, you know, buy off the people in the state Senate and then get sent there. Now, that was a problem. Nobody's really sure how big of a problem it was, but people have been prosecuted and actually kicked out of the Senate for it. The other problem was gridlock. Um, states couldn't come to a decision on who to send because they kept arguing about it. And there have been periods of time. Uh, Montana went for two full years without having one of its senators in, in D.C. And I think either Delaware or Maryland went from 1899 to 2003 without one of their senators there. They literally just had nobody. They just couldn't agree we're on who busy. to basically, yeah. basically, yeah. it wasn't that they were busy. They just couldn't agree. Okay, they just couldn't agree on it. So in 19, uh, was 1913, I believe, it was finally ratified in 1914. 1913, they decided, um, because the states had been wanting this uh, to change and bring it to a, they wanted it to be changed to a popular vote where the citizens voted on it. Now, the call against that, you know, when, when they originally put it in place, the 17th Amendment, okay, which is, uh, you know, section, you know, section one, article three, clause one and two, something like that. I think it's section one, article three, clause one and two. Um, there was, they, they had set it up and their, their intent was to have the, uh, Senate be the equivalent in American government, which is, I think the term is bisamerical, is how our government is. We have two houses, it is bisamerical. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted it to be 
the American equivalent of the House of Lords. Okay, uh, they didn't want to have to. They wanted people, these senators, to be above the the to temper the rule, the 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 will of the general population, which was in the people's quote unquote house. Of course, nothing is the people's house. It's now all the corporate house, which I will be talking about in a second. So that was their intent. And as a result of that, they kind of became aloof, um, as it were. And so the change was brought in in 1912, uh, argued about 1913, and it was finally ratified by 36 states, which is what you need, um, in 1914. Now, among the states that did not, that there were, there were a number of states where no action was taken, because once you have the 36, you don't need the rest. Okay, that's it. That's the ball game. Doesn't matter what the rest say. You've got your two thirds. That's what it takes from the states to change the Constitution. There's one state that voted against it that said no. That state was Utah. Yeah. By the way, Florida, no action. Texas, no action. Georgia, no action. All the no action states are all the southern states. Okay? So, that's our little recap, our civics recap. On the 17th Amendment. It has now been changed. There were some other changes as well about how people get appointed when uh, somebody dies or goes to another seat. You know, another, who, who appoints that senator from each state. That's that's kind of different around. But for the purpose of this conversation, this is about giving people the power to send their representatives to Washington. Not having it chosen by an elite, by 26 people, which is what it would have been. It would have been 26 people. And the, there was a... One of the uh, gripes, I guess, originally about this was, I just appreciate the fact that you're looking at me during the entire thing. You make George makes things so much easier for me. I got to say it. One of the gripes was that um, people were starting to vote on their state senators based on who they had said they wanted to send to Washington. So they were ignoring all the other things that really mattered on a local level, on a state level, on a county by county level. They were ignoring. The, the citizens were beginning to ignore that because the, uh, you know, who they voted for and who those people were going to vote for became more important than local issues. So that was another thing that was brought up. So they changed it. So there's our recap of civics. And I, I encourage everybody to go read up on this because this is important stuff. How we got to where we are. I've always wondered about people. Who say, you know, if I take a look at so-and-so's writings, this is one of the things. There's a guy who said, we can, we don't need to replace Scalia. We, can, we already know how he's going to vote. Just take a look at his writings and just vote that way. Yeah, oh, that, <clears throat> I read that. You read that, yeah. yeah. He can okay. vote from the grave. Vote from the grave. Now, use a Ouija board. Yeah, now, the interesting thing yeah, is, is that when somebody likes Scalia, you know, you probably do know the way he's going to vote. But here's the thing. You start taking all these people like the way the founders intended. You know, that may have been the way they intended it. But if they were alive today, they wouldn't be doing the same thing because circumstances have changed. And these are smart people. I'm sick and tired of people turning me, you know, telling me, well, you know, that's not the way it was in the original. Yeah, the original was written like 250 years ago, pal. Okay, it was, you know, 240, excuse me, 230 years ago. Pardon moi. Okay, but it was, you know, (laughs) one of the great things I read is, you know, they were talking about musket balls. Not 30 rounds a second. <laughs> okay? Things are different now. And as a result of that, okay, people are trying, as the world changes, as America changes, 
Okay? They want to, you know, they're, they're not happy with that. So, along comes this state senator. Okay? His name is Alvin Jackson. Now, he is the official sponsor of the bill. And among the things that he said was, it's time for our senators. There's a whole bunch of this. I want to make sure I get it right here. There's a whole bunch. Um, it's time for our senators to come home every weekend and take direction from this body and from the House and from the governor on how they should vote in the upcoming week. Uh, senators were supposed to represent the states as sovereign entities. The states were supposed to be there to protect the people from a runaway government. The IRS, the EPA, any federal agency that you can name can come into your home or your place of business and disrupt your life, and there's nothing anybody in the state capitol or in the Senate or the U.S. Senate can do about it. I like this one. He goes, we repeal the 17th Amendment, and we don't get Harry Reid anymore. (laughs) We don't get the Harry Reids of the world anymore, because guess what? Most of the country is red. Bullshit. 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 Right. Complete not a bullshit. Most of the country is red. <laughs> I, like, I hate to make this a partisan issue because it's really not. It's about, here's the quote, it's about bringing power back home to the people. And I think the first step in doing this is making sure that the states are represented in D.C. We think they are, but they're not. All right. That's what he said. Okay, I saw, I, I watched that three or four times because half of it I couldn't believe he was saying a little background on our uh, on our boy Alvin Jackson, state senator from Utah. This guy, uh, he went to college at a place I've never heard, did his undergrad work there, and then uh, he's got an MBA from Carnegie Mellon. So he's no slouch in the brains department. You don't get that. They're, they're not sending you that sheepskin because you got something in Cracker Jack's box, okay? You got to earn that puppy, all right? So he's no slouch there. And he was a business development consultant who was picked picked by the Republican Party in 2014 to replace then-Senator John Valentine, who had been, he became the chair of the Utah State Tax Commission. So they had a seat to fill. The Republican Party brought him in, and he was appointed by Gary Herbert in November of 2014. Now, at the beginning of 2015, he was, let me see, he was on two different uh, things. He served on the Government Operations and Political Subdivisions Committee. I don't, you know, I don't even know what these people do. They're the people, I guess, they're the official gerrymanderers. That's what they are. These are the people who gerrymander shit. But here's the one. He was the chairman, chairman of the Transportation and Public Utilities and Technology Committee. Now, first things first. If you're one of those people of the opinion that the U.S. Congress is so stricken with the disease of corruption that the failure of its vital organs is imminent, okay, you should also know that state legislatures are the petri dishes of government corruption. Okay, These are friendly environments where the bacteria of corruption can be cultured before moving on to a new host and fully allowed to metastasize the way they have in the United States Congress. And if state legislatures are the breeding grounds for the disease of government corruption, then be then chairing a committee like the Transportation and Public Utilities and Technology Committee within that legislature, okay, probably a surefire way for you to be patient number one, baby. Okay, I'm telling you, that is where you suck the money up. All right. Now I did a little bit of reading on our boy, Senator State Senator Alvin Jackson, and I'll tell you something: not hard to get by. It's not easy to get by on this guy. It really isn't. I had to dig. I had to dig. 
And I got to tell you, he strikes me as the kind of guy, kind of patriot. He strikes me as the kind of patriot who feels obliged to proudly bellow the Pledge of Allegiance every morning before his first bowl of 501. And I promise you, he does so loud enough so that his neighbors can hear him. Okay, there's no doubt about that. Here's the thing. He also strikes me as the kind of patriot who'd support a mandatory recitation of that very same pledge every day by every child in every school, public or private. Now, mind you, I'm not insinuating, okay, that he's the kind of public servant who'd support a mandate that the youth of America be forced to publicly revalidate their patriotic bona fides 150 times a year by standing hand over heart and reciting the actual pledge of allegiance. Of course not. I mean, that would be, that would be silly. All right? I mean, so, you know, requiring somebody to, to pledge loyalty to you over and over and over again is no assurance <clears throat> of actual loyalty. It, it, it is. The more you do it, the more loyal you get. Well, and I'm going to tell you... God will cause you to burst into flames. And that's what, that's, you know, it's interesting you say that because it's totally untrue. Now, you know, you have to earn loyalty through action. Now, I have the feeling that, uh, that Alvin would be quite happy to have the most impressionable minds of this nation monotonely chant the new and improved version, which contains antinax, ant, uh, added antioxidants. Proven to sweat the communist fever right out of you. And half the time it took the old formula, but with just as much, one nation indivisible mm-hmm. with liberty and justice for all. Satisfaction guaranteed or your loyalty back. That's right. Okay. Now, of course, satisfaction is a relative depending on the angle that you look at the slippery slope and where you see yourself on that slope. Now, we are a nation of immigrants. Okay. And every new wave of immigrants changes America, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, okay? Keep in mind, there is only one group of people here that can claim to be Native Americans, and ever since the first white guy set foot on this continent, mm-hmm. him and every guy that came after him has been trying to wipe him out, Yep. okay? I, I wrote a little side note here, so I got no problem with tribe-owned casinos engaging in corruption to further their own needs. I mean, after all, it's the American way. Right. Okay, well, where the, they learn that. Yeah. We are also a nation that loves to create new generations. Gen X, Gen Y, we've got the millennials. And each new generation is both subjected and cajoled into subjecting itself to a greater barrage of misleading perceptions than the generation that came before it. Every generation has new ways because of progress, okay, to get information hurled at them. And historically in America, again, more so than probably any other country since 1787, money, okay, is what has enabled those in power to remain in power. I mean, we fought a, go- a war against aristocracy only to wind up with a freaking plutocracy. Yep. And in America, since wealth is frequently inherited all too often, power is inherited along with it. Okay? You don't have to be elected to high office in this country to attain greater power. All you got to do is have the ducats, the mm-hmm. greenbacks, to buy somebody who's already been elected. Okay? Now more than ever, okay, second and even first generation Americans, many of whom are, oh my God, they are what? Immigrants. Oh, yeah. They're immigrants. Okay? As well as, score, as, well as scores of newly minted millionaire youngins 
are acquiring not only the wealth, but a knowledge and understanding of the unwritten rules of a game that has traditionally been played only by the American Illuminati. Senator Jackson's proposal, like so many others of late, is about the fear of each new wave of immigrants and generations having an increasing say in who runs this country, who writes and rewrites the laws, and thus who has an easier time profiting from those laws. And please, I beg of everybody out there, do not be distracted by the squirrel that claims morality as it's nut. Sunday morning TV is all the evidence needed to prove that indignation is a burgeoning and profitable industry in both the public and private sectors. What State Senator Alvin Jackson is proposing is not the first step towards bringing power back home to the people. What it is, it's an attempt to build a political firewall. Okay? Panic-induced by a gauntlet of spurious right-wing media, hastily proposed by those who seek to take advantage of that panic, Jackson's public desire to repeal the 17th Amendment is the first covert undertow from a proportionately shrinking ocean of conservatives who are coming to the realization that one branch of the federal government may soon be out of their reach, if it isn't already. And as Scalia's recent death has made crystal clear, if you lose control of the executive branch for long enough, you can wake up one morning to discover you actually loathe six of the nine wise souls. And then you could wake up tomorrow and find out that you loathe seven of them. And now we're off to the races, okay? Because members of, of SCOTUS, okay, predictably, they vote the same way as those who had nominated them probably would. All right? That's obvious. So, here's the question. What do you do if you think the political mast you've spotted on the horizon is attached to a vessel you believe was designed to bring down Western civilization as you know it? Well, if you're a lobbyist with clients who'd benefit from less federal oversight, you try and find yourself a lame duck state senator who's willing to plant the first seed of, of deception for you and by proxy for your client. Well, along comes our boy Alvin. Okay? In a move that can only be described as Palin-esque, one year after being appointed to an office that everybody else traditionally is elected to, what did he do? He's resigning in March, which begins when? Uh, Yeah, tomorrow. He's going to resign this next month. Okay? Now, his reasons for resigning are... uh, Oh, and by the way, he's resigning and moving to Virginia. Now, his reasons are his parents live in the D.C. area and they're getting older, and he's got a son who will be starting at Duke next year. He's going to be playing basketball. I don't know if he's there on a basketball scholarship. i got to imagine he is. If you play basketball for Duke, they've got to give you a scholarship. It's not that big a thing, and they got plenty of money. So, you know, he that's his reason for moving and, and leaving the Senate, resigning his seat before the end of his term. So let's just get the... Uh, date straight here. Guy was appointed in November 2014, announced his forthcoming resignation in November 2015. I'm giving three to one odds that by November 2016, he's a registered lobbyist in D.C. Three to one odds, baby. Who wants to take up that bet? That is a sucker nope. bet. Anybody wants to throw their money at me, give me your money now and assume you lost. All right. And now, on the eve of his unforced abdication and relocation, he spews out the legislative equivalent of having your shit pushed in on your first day at Sing Sing. If you're told over and over again by Bubba that bending over for him ain't such a bad thing, especially when compared with the really bad things that could happen if you don't, well, then Bubba's belief 
is that the perception will eventually become the reality, which is to say, you're going to come to like it whether you like it or not. <laughs> okay? Now, of course, the difference between Bubba and Alvin is that in, in prison, the threat's real. Whereas for those of us fortunate enough to be living in the uh, unincarcerated one-man, one-vote world, the threat need not be real in order for the strong to profit from it at the expense of the weak. The key is to have the perception of the threat continuously narrated at us until our collective opinion is so subliminally duped that those who would have the temerity to deny the purported threat's existence are likely to encounter a zombie-like wave of admonition that these days can border on group contagion. Okay? We are disproportionately consumed with the threat of terrorism from abroad, largely because the threat generally comes from fanatics who thrive on their insane acts being as widely known as possible. So the threat is intentionally overt. They want you to know about it. That's the case. Sure. Unfortunately, as the march of progress makes us both individually and collectively more impatient, okay, it also makes us more gullible. You know, hey, man, I've already got too many plates spinning in the air, so I'm just going to let somebody else handle that whole thinking for myself thingy. You know? And the more complex a perceived threat is made out to be, the better it is for those who would seek to profit from its ignorance by the citizenry. So the perceived threat serves as the as a mask to the real threat. Thus, the actual threat is intentionally covert. It's drowned out by a perception concocted solely for the purpose of fooling us into voting against our own genuine self-interest. And a perfect case in point here, Kansas! Yeah. Kansas! What's the matter with Kansas? Now, this brings us back... <laughs> I like to... This bring, which brings us back to our political chipmunk slash business consultant. Having left his constituents a flaming bag of dog shit on their stoop, Alvin now gets to quietly slink off to Sodom. <laughs> okay? Free from the consequential shackles of a public office in the forthcoming election he'd, he'd have to win in order to stay in it. And all the while, chuckling at the prospect of those he had sworn to serve stepping in a big pile of shit so that he and a bunch of folks we have never heard of can laugh and laugh and laugh all the way to the bank. Okay? In the D.C. version of Scarface, first you get the money, then you get the legislation, then you get the power. Which enables you to get more money so you can buy more legislation which adds to your power. And so on and so on and so on. And for these alpha douchebags, okay, getting the woman isn't part of the equation. Since on-demand hummers have long been basically established as a sort of value added when you purchase power. Okay, it's like green stamps. Mm -hmm. Okay, hookers are like green stamps to these people. Camel cash. I wrote down another line, but I'm not going to say it because for some reason I thought it was funny originally and now it doesn't. Okay. We need to keep an eye on Alvin. Okay, we need to keep an eye on this guy. And it probably would serve us well to pay vigilant attention to what Simon Theodore and the rest of the Washington chipmunk Herman Dodd are whispering into each other's ears. Because if we don't, then we become the Petri dish. Okay? Perhaps T.S. Eliot was only half right. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whisper. There you go. Comment? No, no. I'm going to save mine. That was that was good. Uh, I'm not. I don't have anything to disagree with. Uh, first of all, uh, but I want to save my comments for the uh, the you know the Gitmo thing. Oh, okay. That. In get... that case, we keep the groove going. Soundgarden. 
on the Groove It Down on SoFloRadio.com.
Jacob, you can call me Jake, you can call me a dirty son of a bitch, but if you ever call me daddy again, I'll finish this fight. You goddamn me, dirty son of a bitch! I wouldn't make it a habit calling me that, son. Fuck up. 
I'm watching you get dizzy, uh, check out the way I say my, play my, play my, day on the back, behind the cool and at the NY, I love to ride the groove, because the groove is smooth, and makes me move, and I'll improve, as it goes on, as it flows on, when you see me, don't ask me if the show's on, how that sound, don't come around, playing me close ground, pulling my jock to be down, you need to stay down, way down, because you're low down, do that dance, the Prince of Rappers gonna throw down,
cult, brand new from the cult. That is called Hinterland. They have a brand new CD just came out called Hidden City. And it literally came out, uh, I believe, earlier this month. So I was just telling... Uh, what's me, his name? Over what's his name over here? George over here, Graham's Master Flash. That uh, the, uh, I saw the cult uh, open for Metallica back in 89 at... Uh, in uh, Minnesota, up in Minneapolis, like uh, just outside some suburb of Minneapolis, where that big, I don't know, I can't remember what the name of the town is, but I, we were, I was saying, you know, you call, this is what they do, and they have like three good songs per album, and then they have like, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff that sings. I was like, they should just do nothing but put out four-song EPs. That's it. Put out four-song EPs over and over, and, but now, of course, you can release the songs individually. So, but that's sure. a pretty cool little track right there, Hinterland. From the brand new called Hidden City. Before that, my man James Todd Smith, LL Cool J, Jack the Ripper. That's from '88. I was in this. I was down at Chunk King's house metal right after. Uh, right after he had recorded, they were redoing the engineering work on that. That's the B side actually to uh, the 12 inch for Going Back to Cali, which is uh, Brett Easton Ellis. The Brett Easton Ellis book movie uh, Lesson Zero. That song actually co-written uh, as was Going Back to Cali by Rick Rubin. Who had, you know, been in there. He had started doing work. And actually, Chung King was the name of the studio. And he he's the guy that renamed it Chung King's House of Metal. There's a band called, uh, I can't, uh, like, Chung King Can Suck My Dick or something. Chung King's House of Metal blows shit. It's a band that went in there. Okay. And <laughs> I absolutely understand where these guys are coming from. Because they went in there to record an, al- record an album. And... The engineer at the time was just so fucked up on coke that he got it all wrong. He had to redo it. So they released, you know, they've, it's, you know, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. They, they named it that. Chunk King's a very famous place. If you're into uh, hip hop in particular, you know, down, it moved to uh, Midtown. But back when I was there, it was in uh, Chinatown. It was an old restaurant. They literally converted an old restaurant, Chinese restaurant, into a recording studio. And when I was down there, Run DMC was, was in Studio One. And I was with the L.A. Posse and Breeze and Wise Guys in Studio 2. And it was those were some good times back there. Before that, John Wayne from Big Jake. And before that, the Del Vets. Okay, a song that I uh, wrote down. I described it as fuzz-tastic. That is last time around from 1966. These guys, uh, they're really their only kind of popular 45. They're out of Chicago, kicking it off. Soundgarden from Super Unknown, of course. My wave. All right, let's get some Gitmo shit going. You got your Gitmo swirl on? <laughs> You ready? You ready? Let's get moved. Okay, here's the thing. I have determined that every argument for and against uh, is closing or keeping it open. No matter which side you're arguing on, okay, it is either disingenuous or completely self-serving bullshit. Now, here we go. Okay, some stats here. First things first. Okay, the, I wrote down the pros. Okay, the first pro that I wrote down was it's going to save taxpayer money. All right, it's about $150 million a year. Okay, to house these guys there. It's 900000 for the 166 prisoners there. Now, here on the, uh, in the continental United States where we, we have gotten extremely good at warehousing people, it's only 25000 per year per prisoner for regular prisoners, regular, and 60000 a year for the supermax. And here's the thing. The military is about to spend more uh, millions and millions of dollars to upgrade the prison camp. The uh, renovation includes... $50 million to overhaul Camp 7, which is the most secretive part of the compound. Um, this is an interesting quote. Because the facilities were hastily built and never thought to be permanent, the prison camp may need as much as $170 million more to, 
uh, in repairs, said Marine Corps General John Kelly, who was the chief of U.S. forces in the region. The, now, the, the water boards keep rotting. They need to replace them. They're thinking about using plastic. So here's something interesting, though. Now, the inmates that are housed there, they are Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, 2001 guy, um, a couple of his co-conspirators, Walid bin Atash and Ramzi bin al-Shab, plus Abdu uh, al-Rahim al-Nasrihi, who is the uh, guy that uh, uh, he accused of leading, he's accused of leading the plot to bomb the USS Cole in uh, Yemen. Now, these guys that I've just named, they face trial on war crimes charges before the military courts that were set up to try al-Qaeda and Taliban officials. Officials, figures, pardon me. This one you're going to like. Most of the rest of the prisoners there face no charges at all. Right. (laughs) Okay. Another quote. We have to always always plan to conduct that mission from now into the future, said Army Colonel John Bogdan, who is the commander of the military's joint detention group at Guantanamo. And the policymakers will decide when that mission is over. All right. Completely disingenuous, and I'll give you the, the first reason why is this. Okay. The, the saves money argument. Okay. You're talking about saving a couple hundred million a year. Okay. As I stated earlier, okay, one point we are spending right now on a project. It's called the F-35 project. And this is a project that builds jets, both for the Air Force and the Marines and as a result of the, uh, and the Navy as well. If you build it from the Marines, you're building it for their naval force that bring them there so that the Marines can fight. Um, and it is a, it's a 40-year project. Okay? This thing's been going on for fucking ever. Okay? Total cost? Estim- estimated total cost. They, they don't even know what total cost. 1.5, wait for it, trillion, $160 billion in cost overruns. And this is the other thing I wrote down. I wrote, you know, once you save the money, you know what happens after that, right? You have the big argument on what to do with the fucking money. That's what Congress will be arguing about, what to do with it. Okay. Next argument. Obama, President Obama said, quote, It undermines our standing in the world. It is viewed as a stain on our broader record of upholding the highest standards of the rule of law. Uh, As Americans, we pride ourselves on being a beacon to other nations, a model of the rule of law. Convicting terrorists in civilian courts and putting them in so-called supermax facilities works just fine. Which it has, okay? It, it actually has, okay? This is also disingenuous, all right? We got black sites all over the world. We've got allies, okay, that do our nasty shit for us. Egypt, all the breakaway sure. Eastern yeah. uh, European countries, the breakaway Soviet republics and shit like that. We've been sending people there, you know, to get shit kicked out of them. For years and years. I mean, we do all this with kind of a wink and a nod. You know, the public trial versus covert actions. And I'll tell you something. At this point, the Internet, okay, has brought information around the world. So we can't keep it. Everybody knows we do this. All it takes is is a minimal amount of research to know that, you know, Guantanamo Bay ain't nearly as bad as the shit we're doing to people in black sites all over the world. Yep. Okay. You know, that's that's kind of our winking and nod. It's like, well, we uphold the law. We don't do that here. No, what we do is we hire other people to do it on our behalf. We commission right. them. That, that That's very t- disingenuous. I mean, sure, yeah, we ought to be. We ought to be the beacon. But 
we know better. Right, we're not. Exactly. We, but we ought to be. Okay, the, hmm. the argument that I thought, uh, again, for, for closing it, that I thought had the most validity until I really thought about it was the orange jumpsuit argument, okay? Um, ISIS, uh, there's a video that came out. Uh, this is the one that really caught my eye. It was uh, 2015, early in, like February, January, February of last year, where they brought the Coptic Egyptians, the Christians, out there, brought them onto a beach and beheaded, like 20 of them. And they were all wearing orange jumpsuits. Uh, the video has similar qualities to those filmed executions of ISIS hostages in Iraq and Syria. The hostages wear the same orange jumpsuits as the Western hostages, intended as a reference to the uniforms worn by prisoners at the U.S. Detention Center in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. All right, here's why this is disingenuous. Okay? ISIS, these guys are freaking crazy. They don't need... Okay. And it's Inspiration? Oh, you know, because they liked us before. Right, and yeah, exactly. The, and the orange really set them off, like red with That's the bull. exactly there. it. Yeah. Now, I, I agree... That they're using that. But you take away the orange jumpsuits in Guantanamo Bay, they're just going to come up with another thing. They'll dress them all in red, white, and blue. <laughs> okay? It's disingenuous because these guys don't need a reason to be sociopathic, fundamentalist jackwads. Okay? They don't need an excuse. So, that's also disingenuous. Let's take a look at the other side. Okay. Okay? McConnell said, okay, Congress acted over and over again in a bipartisan way. To reject the president's desire to transfer dangerous terrorists to our communities here in the United States. Okay? That's it. The president signed all of these prohibitions. His attorney general recently confirmed that it is illegal. Illegal! For the president to transfer any of these terrorists into the United States. Now, you need to understand something. It is illegal. Okay, Congress literally wrote a law. I I could pull it up here, but it's like the uh, they literally tried to describe, you know, uh, Guantanamo Bay as like a place that needed to be preserved, you know, on, you know, like our national parks, <laughs> something like that. It's on the National Historic Registry of uh, Occupied Territories. Good one. Thank I you. like that. Came up with that just now. Nicely done. Nicely done. Yellowstone, Guantanamo yeah. Bay. Bring your family. Okay. Sure. There's another thing as well. There, you know, and there's a reason at the end of this, I'm going to, you know, my feeling is we should close it now. There's a reason why we should close it. Okay, there are any number of them. But uh, this is completely disingenuous, okay? First things first. The McConnell statement where he goes, the desire to transfer dangerous terrorists to our communities. Okay, they're not bringing K- Khalid Sheikh Mohammed moving him into the condo next to you, pal. Okay, he makes it sound like they're bringing him into your community, your community, your community. Okay, but here's the thing: is K is is Khalid Sheikh Mohammed really more of a threat than the leader of Matastruci, you know, MS13 or the Aryan Brotherhood? Okay, what I think we should do is we should put these guys, bring them over here. Don't put them in the supermax with a 23 hour a day lockdown. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't do that. Put them in general population, man. Throw them out there. Let the Aryan Brotherhood work for us. Just put them in general pop, okay? And let these guys fucking push their shit in, okay? I, I know a few American towns where if you just sent them there and say, you got to live here for the rest of their life, right. they would hang themselves the, before the oh, sun right. went down. Absolutely. Before the sun went down, they would... They, 
They would, they would pray. They would face Mecca. And, then and I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one of them. I'm tell you where it? that would take place. Yeah. Bring Khalid Sheikh Mohammed to the to uh, Send Michigan. To, Send to, to Michigan, Kansas. where the most, where the highest concentration of immigrant Muslims are. They'll kill this guy in a heartbeat. They hate him. Kansas. Guts. They say you're going to like it here. They have Sharia law. They teach the Bible in elementary school. Your kids are going to go there. You're going to love it. <laughs> Alright, seriously, I, I I remember writing a note to myself. You put KS, right. KSM will be BMOC on the yard at Danamora or Corcoran. Send him, send him one of those places, okay? The other thing we can do, of course, is that, you know, keep keep in mind that we've got a place like Area 51, okay? Okay? <laughs> try try getting it, just bring him there. Sure. Nobody's gotten in that place for fucking 50 years, and we know it exists. They're concerned about terrorists who support yeah. these guys coming over here and saying, oh, well, now that they're here, we're going to use that as the Please. inspiration. Get the our, fuck our, our government, out of here. Our government and our media is doing a great job doing the terrorists' work. Yes, because, yes. Because they're trying desperately to terrify us with these boogeymen. If any of the guys that you named, that you mentioned, were to walk in the room right now. Yeah. I'm not even a good fighter and I kick his ass. Would you like to borrow a knife? I got five on me. I got a stun gun on my keychain. Whatever. What are you going to do? Just let me know when it's my turn to go. Well, here's the thing. I think close it. Here's my thing. Okay. As I've stated before, perception is reality. Okay. There's some minds you cannot change. So you might as well try and change the minds you can. You might as well do it. Okay. Bring them on over here. The other right. thing you can do, by the way, if you don't want people to know where they are, great. Put them in a supermax. Nobody will know where they are. Right. I mean, eventually it's going to sure. get out. Some guard is going to want to make money, and he's going <laughs> to give an interview and do like that. But for the moment, they're on 23-hour day lockdown. Huh? Hey. Just send them there. And tor- you know, that's torture. Yeah. We torture our Holy own prisoners of course we do. worse than we do these guys by giving them 23-hour day lockdown. Now, granted. The guys we got in 23-hour day lockdown, these aren't the guys that, you know, might not have done. These are some bad, they're, they're, they're bad these people. Are, these are bad men. They, these are they, bad they, people. They, they post shit on Facebook without checking with Snopes. <laughs> they, yeah, they're, they're the worst of the worst. The worst I, of the I, worst. I, I hate these guys. So hate here we go. Okay, here we go. Because, uh, and I, the, you, don't have any po- you don't have any points that, I, that I'm disagreeing with, and I also say close it. Not, like maybe I should work my way up the list because if they're so very concerned where these guys might go, we could choose any of our other eight hundred military bases that we have not on U.S. soil to choose from. But I suggest that we close this base along with all of the other bases in order of cost because the total cost is one hundred and fifty-eight billion a year to maintain all of these bases. Yeah, still not as much as the cost overruns on the F thirty-five. Just, just want to let you know. That. It's enough. I'm tired of the military-industrial complex ruling everything, and that's not to say that I want a strong America. America is strong. There isn't a spot on the planet that we can't evaporate like that. So don't give me shit. Don't give me that. We have 11 aircraft carrier fleets. Each each aircraft carrier is a city unto itself and is the core. And it comes with suburbs. And all the, core, the ships suburb, go around all it. All the ships around it. There is no place on the world and this world that we cannot reach and destroy. We need a grand total of zero military bases in the world. Nation on the other side of the planet can't protect themselves from their neighbor? Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. Not my job, not my business. You know, if our soldiers are over there protecting something, someone, it's not 
it's not mine. Right, right? It belongs it's not to my economic interest. Oil. It's somebody's economic interest. It's getting paid off. My tax dollars are paying for it, and I'm not getting a piece. So fuck them. All right. Look at the Vietnam and Korea, and we had to protect the French plantations and fucking the fuck them. Hey, je me souviens, motherfucker. We don't need any military base. <laughs> we don't need any mail. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need because I remember that just means I remember. Yeah. Right, I know. We don't need any of them. Close them. It costs ten to forty thousand dollars additionally yeah. every year per soldier stationed outside of our America. Oh. Ten to forty thousand a year per individual, depending on where they are. We are in a hundred and sixty plus countries, and yeah. that the was DEA is those, in half. And those eight hundred bases don't count fortified positions that we also have, and that doesn't count the military personnel that is stationed at our all embassies, other places at our embassies, protecting other people's Consulate embassies, trip. and just here and there where they're stationed in places that we can't really call a base. So, sh- everybody comes home. I'm tired of the military industrial now, I'm gonna, tired of the Pentagon with all their budgets. I just want to... Okay, I agree with you to a point. I think there are places where we do have to stay, and I'm going to say... Where? North, I'm going to say Korea. I'm going to say the DMV. Okay. 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 I'll give you Korea. I'll give you Korea. There's a few places. Look, we got 100. How many we got? 180? You know, the Japs are starting to fire their military back up, which I say is fine. But we got what? How many bases we got around the world? 800. 800 of them. I'd say we'd be fine with 100. You know, we got... Oh, 700. We'd be fine with 100. We got close to... We got like 58 in the Middle East alone, which don't get me started on that tangent, because if you want to wonder why we have terrorists in the first place, that's not even... Without even talking about... Oh, you know what the key is? When we have those bases, you know know what we have to do. We have to pay rent. Of course we do. Listen, when Osama held the press conference declaring war on America... He cited the presence of our military bases on yeah. his turf as reason number I've one. I've said that before. You know what the main but thing they really hate about us is that we're there. We're there. We're we wouldn't know about our existence. We wouldn't. And, and, and that's going all the way back to freaking Emperor Justinian. Western Christians fucking with him. Goes back to the Roman freaking Empire, all right? And Emperor Justinian. So let's not even. Imperialism but, every but, time but winds here's, up Here's bad. the exit strategy. I'll spell it out to you right now. Here's the exit strategy. One by one, each one of these camel, jockey, goat herding motherfuckers gets a hearing, a trial, a hearing. If there's no evidence to support that they did nothing wrong. Bye-bye. You pack them a salami sandwich, excuse me, some kosher, something, kosher salami, something right. a nice halal, Hebrew bento, national, a nice halal bento box. No, you pack some Hebrew national. You sure some Hebrew, something really nice. Yeah. You pack them, a, you say, you Give know what? Bag of chips Sorry, and put, you them in, them, put them in coach. The orange <laughs> jumpsuit, we apologize. That's a tribute to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The Oompa Loompa is a positive character in American culture. We meant that as a compliment. We dress everyone we like a lot as Oompa Loompas, and that's what was going on there. Really sorry about that. Um, pack them a salami sandwich. Put them on a nice flight, on a nice jet. Send them home. Coach. Send them home. Coach. Say, sure, coach. But it doesn't have to be first I don't class. Want to, I don't want to hear you talking about how you want to no. fly business class. No, no, no. 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 They fly coach. They yeah. fly coach, but not, not the military cargo thing with the. <laughs> not that. Just coach. You know what? No, give Something them. You know, military, look, they're yeah. leaving prison. You fly back well, whenever. All right. Whatever. It's a military thing. It's a military thing. Yeah. Fly them the way we fly our own troops. How's that? That's. Fair, fair, down. fair is fair. Fair is fair. That's you not pack fair, them a lunch. I'll, you I'll pack them some clothes, and you say, "Look, we we were we were fighting. 
all right, we were in a fight, we're not anymore, go home. And and then we start, and then, and then after that, we start uh, addressing the real issues behind this uh, this latest boogeyman that the military-industrial complex is scaring that, trying I, trying I, very hard to scare us with. I think it's in, it's interesting that, that, you know, most of the people being held don't face any charges. Uh, it, it is don't very interesting. And, and, by the, and, and just to, to seal it all up nicely, I... I want to be on the team of the good guys. I like those movies. Right, I, I want the good guy to win, and I want us to be white them. White hat. If it's right, exactly white hat. If it's if because there are people that say no, no, no. It's us versus them, and the only reason that that we're on this team is because it's us. It's like no, no. I'm on the good team, and if this ceases to be the good team, I'm going. Remember to something. Good, remember, I'm going to where the good team is. Just remember something. There's us and them, but even among us, there's us and them. Right. Well, there's also white, white hat. Even though was, oh, we're wearing black hats right now, but figuratively speaking, I, I want to be. I want to be classy, yeah. and I want to lead by example. And I want. I want. If 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 ISIS is acting like douchebags and chopping off heads, and we're giving people fair hearings, fair hearings, and send them in on, sending them home. Right. So be we're it. We're treat them the this same way somebody who chops off a head here does. The, you the, go to the jail. rhetoric. See their fight. hate mongers on their side are not going to be fueled. They're not going to have the fuel and the ammo for their rhetoric as these guys come home and they say they gave me a hearing. They couldn't find any evidence. They packed me a salami sandwich. Here I am. Want a bite? Yeah, yeah. I got chips yeah. on the plane because I got chips on the plane. they use what we do as a recruiting tool. We use what they do as a recruiting tool. Uh, Ganug, enough is enough. Yeah, I'm, but and the shit. other thing is, of course, we're fighting both sides of the war as always. Oh, and we're right fighting a proxy war against ourselves over there. It's exactly it because they get all their money to fight this war from who? Us. Yeah, from yeah. oil. Yeah. yeah, there is no other funding for these guys. Yeah. Okay, nothing grows there. Yeah, did we already say on the air, hey, all you oil people, go find something else. You know, yeah, find, I mean, find we've a gone, job, gone off on this 50,000 sure. times, so, and so I'm talking, go off on Close it again. Close it. Enough with the empire already. Enough with the 800 bases. Enough with this. That generates the hatred that Americans actually like to pretend that they don't understand where it comes from. The problem, Not just in the Middle East, but all over, over the, the world. world. This is the problem I have with the DEA, which has offices in 112 sure. They have offices in 112 countries. Not because anymore that this is re- required for fighting the war on drugs, which doesn't exist. No, it's our way of putting people there so that we can try and spread sure. our version of and, democracy. And, and, right. And by the way, something, because I know you like little facts and figure tidbits, because I didn't even know this. I just wanted to get some numbers right. With, Go for with it. With regard to the number. Our, uh, ne- the, of course, there's no foreign military presence anywhere near U.S. territory. <laughs> not, to, not that we're hypocrites or anything, but if, if, if Canada, this is, right. just think of how impotent Canada, if Canada started to build uh, an outpost in Alaska, yeah, every American would freak the fuck out. I know that's right? the inter- that really. You know what? That is interesting because it occurred. Yeah. You know that one. That's really an interesting thought. How would we feel Dude, if some other major power if treated Ru- us like if this? Russia, that's what everybody's thinking. It's like no, because we're number one. We got to stay number one, and that gives us the right, sure, to do that. Might listen, makes right. Listen, How about might, might makes for right. right? Here, might for right. Let, let me address Russia because if Russia were to land an inflatable dinghy with an old retired soldier on the rockiest Alaskan island, 
America would freak the fuck out. Oh, we'd blow them right out of the water, man. Yeah. We would blow the island well, up. We gave me the crab. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the crab guys up there it beat could, the shit out of them. It could be a, one, a one-legged syphilitic cancer patient uh, wearing a raggedy old uniform, and we would blow him up oh, at yeah. the thought of that. Russia, the fishermen would have the day our, with our, him. Our Those next, guys, you don't need to help them out. Those guys are some tough boys. But Russia, bless their heart, is our next nearest competitor in uh, foreign military bases. With a grand total number of, you want to guess? Fifty. Eight. <laughs> eight. They have eight, and we have 800. 100 to one. And there are people, I tell, I'm going to tell you right now, there are people, when you give them those numbers, you go, well, of course, that's what makes us strong. Yeah. 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 No. It makes, no, it makes us, us weak. weak. It and makes this, us we're weak. spread out, and it costs money, you yeah. stupid, you fiscal conservatives. Where are the teabaggers? Taxed enough already. Taxed enough already. I see that you're protesting the military bases, right? You want military base closures because that's our biggest ticket item. Oh, please. The military costs the military. more than everything else combined. So, so there you go. That's what I have to say. It's all part, of a, bigger, agree. You know, a part of a bigger picture there. Absolutely. Close it. Just yeah. go ahead and close, close, close it. Close it. Close these guys. Give Let them a that be the trial. First. Let that be the first domino. The and first domino. Know, where are you going to send these ooh, scary terrorists? 166 right guys. Where are they? Okay, first thing. They can stay in my apartment. Yeah, let me tell you something. We are the prison capital. No shit. Of the, uh, no the world. shit. We have 5% of the world's population and 25% right. of the world's population. We got everybody beat. We don't know how to imprison people. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing we do know how to do, it's fucking yeah. warehouse people we don't yeah. want yeah. in society. There it is. Or at least right. that somebody says they don't want in society. We solved that problem. There it is. Time to take care of the people to take care of me. You know who I'm talking about. That's right. Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida. Going to be moving. I'm going to have a new address. Phone number stays the same, though. 954-247-9362. Of course, you can go to the SoFloRadio.com website. Click on the box that says Tony C's Groove Don. And at the top of the list of every single song I've ever played. Yeah. Every song I've ever played listed right there. And every show available for free to listen either right there or you can download it into your own computer so that you can peruse it again later, as I'm sure many of you would want to do. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. All the time. All the time. But above that list, you're going to see a link for Precision Auto Works. Just click on that. It takes you right to the site. Dave, Tracy, the entire SAE certified group, bumper to bumper. Absolutely Groove Don approved. Go in there. Mention the Groove Don. There is a discount for you. Okay. You won't need it. But hey, saving money is saving money. More importantly, job gets done right. Dave is the man. I I just saw a picture of a, uh, it's a uh, 80, 80 something Camaro convertible that he just put back together. And this is, you know, the just. If you're into that kind of stuff, if you're into American muscle cars, man, every time I'm over there, there is something that just makes me go, oh, God, oh, I want that. So he's, he's always on the ball with that. It is the place where people who love their cars take their cars. You know what that means. Time for the drive groove. <laughs> man, I don't know how it's possible that I haven't played these guys before, but I'm playing them now in the drive groove. We kick it off with ZZ Top on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs> Yeah. 
tell you about yourself. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Scratching all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound dog, baby. Scratching all the time. You ain't never found no rabbits. Yeah, baby. That is Jimi Hendrix from the BBC sessions. They doing Hound Dog. I was just talking to George over here saying, you know what? That's that's a, you know it's a great song because I've I've got to have heard I don't know how many versions of that song, and there isn't one of them I can think of that sucks. There's a bunch of them that are really really good, and then there's a bunch of them that are good, but none of them suck. I mean, that's how great a song is from the BBC sessions. That's the 1967 stuff. There's the original BBC sessions had uh, Zeppelin, had Beatles. And uh, they had Jimi Hendrix, and the BBC sessions from Hendrix a must own, must own, must own. Fantastic stuff, great copy covers of some of the uh, Beatles songs. Uh, and that does a cool version of Day Tripper. That's uh, really, you know, it's worth buying the entire thing just for that and for Hound Dog. But all his really good stuff is on there. And then there's an entire CD of stuff, you know, it's like 15 covers, and it's great stuff. And they did it. Over the course of a number of years. So it's 67 through 69. So it was a bunch of different sessions. They put it together in a package. It's absolutely worth doing. Before that, Rock Candy Funk Party. Spaztastic. That is live from Iridium. That, of course, has Joe Bonamasso on guitar there. And I said this last week. I'm, I'm you know, Bonamasso, fantastic guitar player. 
does a lot of blues stuff. He sticks with his own thing and whatever. So I'm a fan, you know, in as much as he's a fantastic guitar player. This stuff, Rock Candy Funk Party, dine o might Love that shit. Before that, Danny Korchmer and Jeff Pivar. And it's I Don't Need No Doctor. That is uh, this guy named uh, Don O'Dell uh, up in Massachusetts, I believe. Massachusetts, Connecticut, somewhere in New England. Um, he owns Legends Studio. And he does a series of shows where he'll bring in legends that you don't know about, but you should. These are the kind of guys that have been doing all the work, all the shit that you know, but you just didn't know they did it. This is one of them. This guy, Jeff Pivar, I met him on Friday night. Uh, I went, uh, myself and uh, Di went to uh, down to Magic Casino, saw um, Jefferson Starship. Uh, um, you know, Paul Cantner just died like a month ago. I didn't even yeah, know it. I didn't yeah. even know that. Didn't even know it. Did not know it. Um, you know, guess I just wasn't paying attention to every rock and roll death. I don't There were so many. Right. Now, that one just mind. got blended in there. But, you know, let's let's give Paul his props, baby. That is one. He's one of the Mount Rushmore guys for psychedelia. Absolutely. Okay, for that kind of stuff. Jeff Pivar. Um, so it was Quicksilver Messenger Service. I'm wearing the shirt that Di got me. My Quicksilver, you know, my Quicksilver uh, shirt over here. And, um... And uh, Jazz is Dead. And that is a band that Jeff Pivar put together. Jeff is one of these guitar players um, who's been touring for 30, 40 years. He finally got around to doing a solo album called Core. And I'm going to be getting that. I'll be playing some stuff from that in the coming weeks. He couldn't have been any nicer. Got to chat with the guy for a little while. Uh, big shout out to Terry, the uh, the tour manager for Jazz is Dead, hooking me and die up with... Uh, you know, tickets and backstage passes and all that stuff. Literally perfect seats. I mean, dead center, about 15 rows back, right there. Couldn't ask for anything more than that. So it was a fantastic show. Jazz is dead, and I've played them before because the, the album version, the studio version, has Rod Morgenstein on it. He would have been playing, um, but he's currently on tour with Winger, who I'm going to be going and seeing, um, bringing my boy Joe Zepp to that show. I already called my brother Danny up for that because he represents those guys as well. So we're going to be going to that. That's the Rockfest show. So it's, you know, it's an entire day of 80s rock and roll, big hair bands. Yeah, you know, Ace Freely and Quiet Brian and all these guys. So that's why he wasn't playing. Jeff Pivar is the guy who put together Jazz is Dead. And thing is, is he got called in by uh, Bob Weary's toured with Bobby in the Midnight's, um, as has Billy Cobham. I saw Bobby in the Midnight's open for Hot Tuna, okay, front row, Hot Tuna, loudest, that's the loudest show, loudest band I ever saw, and I'd seen some fucking loud bands, pal, okay, Hot Tuna, I swear to God, Yorma's got a thing, his amps go up to like 15 or some shit, I swear to God, also brings like 20 guitars on tour with him as well, so, Jeff Pivar is one of these guys, I was watching some stuff, I was going to try and, I couldn't find good, good copies of it, he has done some fantastic work, Ray Charles, took him uh, on at him as a guitar player when he took his full orchestra on tour in about 95 I guess okay Jeff Pivar has literally been on the scene for 35 40 years he has been a studio guitar player his discography goes for page after page after page it just on and on and on and on and on he's a guy whose music you know you just don't know who he is you've never heard his name if you're a grateful dead fan you should know Jeff Pivar and now they're doing Jazz is Dead, these 
reinterpretations. As, I, as I've said before, it's just the way I like my Grateful Dead, baby, done by somebody else. Okay, that's the way I like it. You know, Motet doing the funk is dead, and then you've got jazz is dead. Both of them are cool. You know, the original songs are great when you redo them. <laughs> and funkified them or jazzified them. When you deadify them, dead is the operative word there. See, what's the expression? What the uh, the Grateful Dead fans say when he stopped using drugs? Oh, wow, man, this band really sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, before that, Joe Robinson. Joe Robinson, uh, the song is called Daddy Longlicks, and uh, the original version from that is uh, from an album called, well, I'm not sure if actually if it's the original version or not, now that I think about it. There, there's an album out called Six String Theory, uh, which is a Lee Rittenauer uh, conglomeration. Some of it is excellent, some of it not so much. There's some great stuff on there by John Schofield, one of my favorite guitar players. Um, on that, Joe Robinson, this guy's from Australia, and he was 18 when he recorded that. The version that I just played is him. You can go onto YouTube and see it. He literally sits down in front of a camera, plays it, walks off stage. That's it. One guy playing guitar, and he really um, was taken under the wing of a guy named Tommy Emmanuel. And Tommy Emmanuel is one of these unbelievable, he's one of these great guitar players. He can play, he's just technically, he is so good, it's disturbing. It's him and Danny Gatton, guys like that, that are just outrageous with their skill level. And when this kid, uh, Emmanuel's from Australia, this kid is from Australia, and I guess he won, um, like their version of, you know, Australia's Got Talent kind of thing. And undeniable talent. The kid is... He was 18 when he recorded the version of it that I just played. He's 24 now. If you like that kind of stuff, he's fantastic. If you're into Tommy Emanuel, Danny Gatton, Danny Gatton's more of an electric guy. If you're into that, okay, Joe Robinson, okay, fantastic stuff. Kicking it off, okay. I, I, I ended the set with Jimi Hendrix, and I kicked off the set with the man Jimi Hendrix once said was the best guitar player he ever saw. Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top, doing Nasty Dogs and Funky Kings from Fandango. You know, those first, what, five, six albums by ZZ Top? Every single one of them is a must-own. If you don't own them, then you're not a rock, yeah, then your rock collection's not complete. Okay? Tejas, Tres Hombres, Fandango, those, those, I mean, you have to have them. You have to have them. And he used to use a Mexican peso as a pick. So he gets sounds in that song. Just that that sound that only Billy Gibbons can get. I don't know, you know, I, I played Billy Gibbons before, but it wasn't ZZ Top. I played the stuff that he did with Will Smith, the uh, bass player from David Letterman's band. Um, and I played some stuff from that album that he, he does a song on that with Will Smith. So I played that earlier. Don't know how it's possible. I guarantee you, before this year is out, more ZZ Top. Okay, I listened to a whole bunch of stuff from them. You know, I'm going through my, you know, the, the big folder of rock stuff, and I was like, ZZ Top, huh? I'm, so I start going through my thing. I was like, holy shit. I haven't played these ZZ Top. How is that humanly possible? I don't know how it's possible. Guess what? Nothing more to yak about. We keep the groove going. Prima Donna doing Faithless on the Groove of on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
Jimmy McGriff, ain't it funky now? And you know it is, because it's the groove of time, baby. Ain't it funky now? Funky for over two and a half hours. Damn, Skippy boy. Jimmy McGriff, one of the great uh, Hammond organ guys out there. I played um, The Worm, which is a song that's from Rounders that he does in that. Before that, Prima Donna doing Faithless, the band out of California. They've got some interesting stuff. They were named uh, one of the up-and-coming bands. So I'm like, that. I went through some of their stuff. Nah. But I like that song, Faithless. If, you know, I, Mom, I'm sorry. I will never be faithless. My mom's name is Faith. So I will never be faithless. I always have faith. Good show, bro. Good yeah, man. show today. Right back at you. That's right. Overtime Groove is good groove. Is more groove good groove? you damn right it's good groove. The more groovier, the better. The more groovier, the better. We can't give you enough groove. I'm coming back in two weeks. Going to do the whole thing again. As always, of course, every Groove Don centers around an attitude of gratitude. Hit me with the heat wave, baby, because for me and my man, Los Georges, as always, it is aloha. Peace. Good night, Mom.
from high atop 1926 Hollywood Boulevard. You're listening to SoFloRadio.com.